Hello again, welcome to another episode of the Rainy Market Minute. Today is Monday, September 12th, and this is episode number 180. My name is Justin Hune. I am your host. I'm the founder and publisher of the Uranium Insider Pro newsletter, the only investing newsletter that focuses solely on uranium, finds the best risk-reward investment opportunities in the space, and publishes on a regular monthly basis. As always, nothing that you hear or see in this podcast is intended to be investing advice. I'm not your financial advisor. This is not financial advice. Please always do your own due diligence when it comes to investing and always take responsibility for your own choices. All right, good to be back with you guys again today. I had a a three-day weekend for myself, uh, although the markets were open on Friday. did not do a market minute. So the data coming in the daily scoreboard for the ETFs and the spot flows is for two trading days, last Thursday and last Friday. Um, I want to remind everybody that starting in October, that is three weeks from now, that the daily podcast will be available only for paying members of Uranium Insider Pro. I will continue to do a free weekly podcast. Our members webinar, which we will announce in a bulletin tomorrow, will be next week. And we have an awesome guest. And I'm very, very much looking forward to this month's webinar. So if you are currently a member, look out for that email. And I hope to see you there live. If not, you can watch the replay, which will be available in the member section of our website. If you are not a member and you want to try us on, we do have a quarterly option. And I think that you will find immense value in all that we do, especially these monthly webinars and especially this one. Uh, with all of that said, going forward, um, I, like I said, I will be continuing doing this uh, free once per week for anyone who does not want to become a member. So either way, options exist. All right. Why don't we go ahead and jump right into the daily scoreboard here? Spot price of uranium, $52 a pound mid-market, up about 75 cents from uh, the last market minute, which was the last Thursday. Over the last two days of the last week, Sput purchased 200,000 pounds of additional uranium. And over the last two-day period, they issued 918,600 new trust units, taking in 11.9 million of new money. Sput appears to be back. Now, we're not seeing massive, massive days like we've seen in the past couple of days this year, uh, a number of days last fall where they raised 70, 80, 90 plus million dollars in a single day, bought north of a, of a million pounds in a single day. Now, not only do I not believe there's sufficient liquidity in the spot market to allow for that level of purchasing without massive increases in the price, but we're also still uh, still in a bit of a risk-off situation for the markets, generally speaking, although we have seen a substantial improvement in the Iranian market with a lot of the stocks in the space up 30, 40, even 50 plus percent since July, since the lows of July, when I was pounding the table and we were back at valuations of the same same level relative to the commodity as the beginning of the bull market. All right. On, uh, let's see, on Friday, Sput closed to a minus 0.55 discount to NAV. That NAV is certainly shrinking and remaining so, which is a very positive sign. Today, Sput sold down a little under 2%. So, and the spot price actually uh, moved up and then pulled back slightly. So we're probably more like a 2 to 3% discount to NAV here. So starting to expand a little bit, but relative to a month ago, uh, six to eight weeks ago, where we had 10% consistent discount to NAV north of uh, even 15, 16, 17% at the extremes, that was a clear and obvious uh, buy signal, in my opinion, when you get to those extreme discounts to NAV, if you believe that the sput vehicle is not quote unquote broken and risk will come back on into the sector and into the vehicle itself. Um, I mentioned before that sput is 80% owned by institutions. So when institution money comes back, uh, starts putting some risk back on the table, buying energy and staying long here, they're going to go after sput. And we know what happens when they do in size. 
Okay, Sput now holds 58.6 million pounds of uranium. Total NAV of the Sprott Fiscal Uranium Trust now sitting at $3.05 billion. Cash in its treasury is a very low 17.3 million. Um, in my honest opinion, I think that uh, Sput believes that inflows will continue here. That's just what I think uh, the signal I'm getting from that low amount of cash. For year to date, since the beginning of the year, Sput has acquired 17.2 17 million pounds of uranium. And they've raised over $900 million in new capital. Uh, just a massive uh, addition to this thesis and to the space in general. All right, turning to the ETFs. URA over the last two trading days increased shares by 300,000 shares. URNM increased by 25,000 shares. The new issuances between these two ETFs gave rise to around 7 million in mandated buying. The joint assets under management for URA and URNM now comes in at 2.9 billion, right around 500 million lower than the mid-April high. So we are clawing our way back. That was a uh, all-time high, uh, or at least a multi-year high. All-time high for URNM, multi-year high for URA back in April, a joint AUM of 3.4 billion. And yes, the sector made higher highs, generally speaking, in the autumn of last year, but we continued to see inflows into the ETFs. All right, so Thursday last week uh, had a strong day. Friday was a bit of consolidation. Today, trickling slightly down across the board, taking a little breather here. On that note, let's go ahead and take a look at the charts. URA trading down 0.71% on the day uh, against a pretty strong tape for the S&P up over 1%. Um, volume declining on the pullbacks. This is what I like to see. I've mentioned this over and over. I like to see increasing volume on the runs in the in the stock or in the sector and decreasing volume on the pullbacks. It's exactly what we're seeing here. Very, very nice to see. URA now trading, uh, closing well above its 200-day moving average, which is attempting to flatten out here. The rising 50-day and 20-day are relatively steep. We still have this big gap down here at 2033. Will it get filled? You know, these things don't always get filled. But uh, if we go risk off across markets and the spot price takes its time on its next run, we definitely could see a pullback here. And if we did, that would be a place that I would be looking to get aggressive. URNM relative to the commodity itself, to the spot price of uranium, down slightly today with a spot price relatively flat on the day. Also have a gap right around the same time frame, uh, declining volume here. This also relatively speaking, making a nice recovery as we work our way back up, ideally to previous highs and beyond uh, in the coming years for the basket of miners relative to the commodity, which also should be an uptrend. Cameco, this is a very, very strong stock right now. Low volume pullback, down barely, uh, actually up on the day, excuse me, with some nice dip buying. I would like to see this consolidate a bit, maybe a pullback or at let the 20-day catch up to it. Either way, this to me looks like it's putting in a bit of a rising wedge, uh, at least in the short term. And these usually resolve to the downside, at least, like I said, for the short term. I would welcome that. I think a little consolidation, a little breather here would be healthy for the stock and the sector. URA relative to the S&P, down decently today, 1.75%. As I mentioned, the S&P was up 1%. This also looking like a bit of a rising wedge. Um, and maybe today was a slight breakdown of that rising wedge. Either way, nice to see the outperformance continue for the long term of URA relative to the S&P. Just out of curiosity, why don't we look at a weekly chart of this thing? I like to zoom out on these. 
I definitely, definitely would like to see a big breakthrough this trend line. And I would like to see that this year. And as I've mentioned before, the market always gives me what I want. Looking at the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust, let me go back to the daily chart here. Um, like I mentioned, this looks like a rising wedge to me. And maybe today was that first breakdown where we see a bit of a reset. Uh, we're seeing that now with the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust chart, the 20-day breaking above, the 200-day, the 50-day, shortly there behind the 200-day actually rising on, on the spot chart, which is nice to see. This is a very, very nice looking chart. Now, uh, you can chart this all day long and you can and you can grab some significance from that. But ultimately, considering that it trades most of the time in a decent, uh, let's say a decent range close to the net asset value, um, this chart essentially represents the spot chart. And we expect spot to go much, much higher and potentially very soon. So uh, pullbacks and deep discounts to NAV on this vehicle are, uh, are absolute uh, opportunities that should be taken advantage of. All right, so last week we reported on a couple of uh, positive developments in the um, in the uranium space, in the nuclear space, space, I should say. One of those was the new prime minister, Liz Truss of the United Kingdom. Her first day in office addressing the need for expanding energy and energy challenges facing the UK, we need more nuclear um, verbatim. Also that the uh, that B of A had issued a re research report, including the following language, why, why we're ever more positive in nuclear, not a rena renaissance, but a clear new day. Um, it's, it's obvious that we were seeing a sentiment shift. So now what are we seeing? The Biden admin asking for an additional 1.5 billion for ensuring the US has reliable LEU and HALU supply. So the US is recognizing the crunch here with um, non-Russian enrichment. And obviously they are, are certainly familiar with the fact that US utilities and EU utilities continue to receive deliveries of Russian uranium, Russian enrichment, enriched uranium specifically. Um, these are legacy contracts. These are not new contracts. As far as I can tell, um, and from, from all of my own contacts, I don't know that any utilities in the West are signing new contracts with Russia for enrichment or conversion for that matter. And so the U.S. recognizing this is a very big sign, especially with the HALU part of that. Why? HALU is needed for advanced nuclear, advanced reactors, small modular reactors. Most of the designs utilize HALU. What is HALU? High assay, low enriched uranium, or also called, <laughs> or should be called middle enriched uranium. So it's higher than that four and a half percent ish where, you know, the modern kind of common light water reactor would be operating at. And it's significantly less than weapons-grade uranium and high-enriched uranium, which would be above 20%. And so the HALU will typically push into the teens all the way up to 19.9% enrichment. And um, that, of course, for a lot of these small modular reactors, considering the, their output and needs for fuel is smaller, but we're talking about higher enrichment levels and cores that can operate for many, many years, sometimes multiple decades without needing, um, needing re to replace the fuel. So good to see that the uh, Biden admin is looking for this supplemental appropriations request of another one and a half billion to make sure that the U.S. has this um, has this supply chain intact. That is very, very good. Last thing I want to mention also in the United States here, the governor of Michigan. This is uh, Gretchen Whitmer, who is a staunch Democrat. Um, and I mentioned that not to play political sides, but obviously over the past number of decades, the Democrats have not been in support of nuclear now, Michigan is where the Palisades plant was closed down. 
a few months back. And I mentioned in, in a couple of market minutes that Holtec is the operator and, and now I'm the overseer of the decommissioning is wanting to bring the plant online. Well, Gretchen Whitmer, Michigan's Democrat governor, wants is calling for the Palisades plant to reopen. She's pledged the states to support for Holtec International's application for a federal grant to save the Palisades plant. I mean, this, <laughs> this stuff was was nothing that that could have been uh, in our wildest dreams a few years ago. This is phenomenal to see this sentiment shift and to see the policy support for nuclear. And one thing that that occurred to me today, I was in is in a conversation actually with um, with John Champaglia from from Sprott, the CEO of Sprott, and he's mentioning you know the institutional investors are taking note of the policy change, and from if you're managing money on an institutional level. When you see these actual official changes to policy, that significantly de-risks the investment thesis, right? So you, it's obviously very volatile to begin with. Um, if you're managing a lot of money, you know we're talking about tens, if not hundreds of billions, you're looking for liquidity, more than anything liquidity. And so that's why a lot of big money can't even touch this sector yet. And as the sector grows, that growth begets more growth because there absolutely is plenty of money on the sidelines, well aware of this thesis. Um, seeing the writing on the wall for the Renaissance for nuclear, seeing the energy theme that they're likely playing already through oil and gas for the most part, and waiting, literally waiting for the largest vehicles in the space. That would be URA. That would be uh, the Sprott Physical Uranium Trust and Cameco to have sufficient, and Kazataprom to some extent, to have sufficient liquidity that they can even dip their toe in this market. They can't touch it. If you're managing you know, $50 billion, you can't touch the uranium market because your AUM is larger than the uranium market. So you literally just can't do it without sufficient liquidity. So thinking about that, the institutional investors are noticing the policy changes in the United States, in the EU, with the inclusion of nuclear and the green taxonomy. We're seeing the UK have new, uh, have new leadership saying we need more nuclear. Um, we just saw, I believe, that the Swedish... Um, right-leaning uh, candidate is likely w- uh, just won the election and that they are pro-nuclear. Now that's highly speculative going forward, but that least leans in that direction. Um, all of this is to say that uh, these policy changes matter for the thesis, especially when it comes to being willing to put risk into this sector and de-risking the investment thesis for very large money managers. And I believe that this is uh, these, are, these are very positive steps in the right direction, despite the supply and demand fundamentals that were already there and they were there years ago and they have only grown. They've only gotten more uh, dire, let's say, going out in the towards the later part of the decade in terms of supply and demand. So um, it's all kind of coming together and that positive news and these policy changes do matter for this thesis, even if they don't mean oh, that, that doesn't mean somebody's buying uranium tomorrow. But in the case of you know the Palisades plant, if they restart that plant, they're probably going to have to come back in the market and secure some long-term contracts. So um, very excited uh, about that. And going forward, I believe that we will have some news on that front, on the long-term contracting front in this webinar coming up next week. So hope to see you there. Take care. Cheers. I will see you tomorrow.